Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast, episode 183. Delighted to be joined by a return guest. Georgie Brown. Georgie, you're very welcome to the podcast again. Thanks, Reem. Good to see you. Good to hear you. Delighted to have you back on. For those, let's start with this. For those that um, haven't listened to your episode, they want to know more about you and what you do, they can listen to it and I'll leave a link to it below. But why don't you take 30 seconds to tell people who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Georgie Brown. I'm a positive psychologist. I work with organizations in terms of employee well-being to try to create happiness at work. Um, so yeah, that's basically what I do. I have a deep interest in personal change, behavior change, and how we can make work a happier place to be. Fascinating. Have you got any typical clients? I'm, I'm assuming there's, there's a high demand in the corporate sector. There is indeed. Yeah. My typical clients are big tech. Um, so that's not to say I don't work with other clients and I very much do and enjoy it. Um, but that space has been one of the, they were an early adopter when I set up in 2017, uh, they were ready for mindfulness-based leadership. They were ready for things that were a little bit quirky then and are now very much needed. Um, so yeah, the demographic is probably employees, between the ages of roughly 25, 45, um, working at a very fast pace with a lot of change and people who are genuinely interested in their well-being and becoming their best possible self or their, their most real version of themselves um, in the midst of working at a phenomenal pace. I'm sure you do a lot virtual, but you're in a great place considering Dublin seems to be the HQ for a lot of tech companies for their EMEA base. Um, I, I know a lot of these companies are attracting a lot of employees, but they need to retain. And that seems to be uh, something that a lot, a lot of them focus on because uh, particularly with uh, the Great Resignation recently, uh, and now a lot of the companies, the reverse of that, where they're getting rid of the employees because they're worried about a potential recession coming down the line. I'm sure retention from the employee's perspective to get the best out of themselves is uh, is probably creeping into the key priorities. So you're probably just going to become more and more in demand. So while I have some of your time for the podcast, let's make the best use of it. You contacted me a couple of weeks ago uh, on the topic of employees coming back to the workplace, specifically, if I remember correctly, um, some employees being, I don't know if the right word is forced, but forced to come back to the workplace. And you said you felt like this could make a good podcast. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think what you've touched on there is really interesting. Um, yes, there is the great resignation, there's a talent shortage, and now there's a hybrid working environment. So it is an employee market. Um, and then there's tech companies or big, large organizations across the board. And the word that I've heard, the term is it's not forced, it's mandated. So I don't know if it's more gentle than forcing, um, but it's, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, so what I've been working with and playing with and having conversations around is a more collaborative way to move forward so that we don't force people because we can't and we shouldn't. Um, 
so yeah that's that's one of the things that i hope we can uh yeah touch on sure. sure well i'd love to because there's a couple of key things here i want to discuss i've got some stats to bring to the table and discuss some of the pros and cons of it but I don't know whether you're having conversations at the, the owner and management or employee level or all three levels, but talk to me about some of the conversations you've had, whether it's an employee who's happy or unhappy about this mandate or a manager who's concerned they don't know what to do, they're struggling to connect with leadership and employees on the same level. What are some of the conversations you're having out there? Yeah, so I suppose the majority of the conversations I've been having are with HR leaders um, and business leaders people like that so within the organization because they're coming to me and saying what are we going to do we have this office space we have to get people back you know we've been tasked with get people back to the office that's what happening we all heard Elon Musk line last week um so people are reluctant to come forward and, and say what Elon said out loud but that's what a lot of people are thinking because it's coming from top down office is empty we need to we need to fill desks this is an expensive unit let's get people back into the office so that's happening on one hand hand and then I've been speaking with lesser with the employees but what I've heard is very very clear and that's from HR business partners people in high level roles saying I will not be going back into the office full-time end of story no um so you know they're they're polar opposites but even in the conversations with the business leaders, when I speak to them and say, okay, and how do you feel about it? Uh, they're, you know, well, I'm not going to be going back full time. You know, I'm, I've found all this extra time. I'm an athlete. I want to work out more. I have other priorities now. So the leaders aren't happy to go back either, uh, but they have objectives now to meet. So we're in this funny little crossroads at the moment where there's a lot of friction, there's a lot of tension, and there's people who are afraid to say things, um, afraid to make demands. Uh, so yeah, we need to find a, a safe space for people. And, and the word I suppose that I've heard a lot of people saying, Georgie, can you do a workshop around psychological safety? And I'm like, yeah, we might need to call it something else so that people come. <laughs> um, but that's, that's ultimately what we're trying to create at work now. Sometimes I fall victim to uh, thinking that everyone thinks the same way that I do. Um, and, and I'm sure many people do, you know. Um, for example, you walk into the shop and you might buy a bottle of Coke and you look and go, who still buys Sidona? Surely that can't be a demand for it. But there's obviously demand if people still buy it. So yeah. I, I put up a post on LinkedIn a poll a couple of weeks ago and I'm certainly on Team Hybrid. And, and I'll tell you why I'm on Team Hybrid because um, I've worked for myself for... I'm 29 now, so for all my 20s. And when the pandemic hit, uh, I worked from home. In the room I'm in at the moment. Uh, five days a week. Uh, and after a couple of weeks and months went by, my girlfriend and my parents and close friends were kind of saying to me, you're different. There's something, there's something different about you. It tends to be around you. It's not comfortable to be around you at times. And uh, chatting to a counsellor, one of the things, one of the changes I made was I said, I'm going to uh, rent a location 15, 20 minute walk. So that there's a separation between work and home. And, and that made a massive difference for me. There's people in the office. I walk straight after this call. I'll be walking 20 minutes back. Uh, the walk is good because I walk to and from for lunch as well. So I'm getting over an hour of activity, even if I don't go to the gym on a particular day. And, and that made a huge difference to me. So I certainly sit on team hybrid. But there was a poll that I put up and said, 
I'm curious to know people's thoughts on mandating employees to come back to the office. There's four options. One, I'm all for it. Two, I prefer remote work. Three, I'm on team hybrid, which is a blend of both. And then four is comment below. 1% of people left a comment, which wasn't many. Um, 5% of people said they're all for mandating people to come back to the office. 30% of people said they prefer remote work. And 64% sat on team hybrid. So where do you sit? Um, I sit on team hybrid as well. Uh, however, I do feel that there are huge benefits to being in the office. Um, so there are certain times for that, like the likes of if we're onboarding a new employee, there is a certain amount of human connection that is necessary. And if we have the opportunity to onboard somebody in person, you know, even if it's just a coffee, even if it's in an interview process, if people are located physically close to each other and we have that opportunity to create that human connection, to build that kind of safety and trust piece. Um, I feel that there is huge benefit to that. Another area might be something like mentoring, which I do with people. And for my, one of my goals, one of my personal goals for the rest of 2022 is to try to do a lot more in-person stuff. Yeah. Um, so I have the flexibility that I can, I can go for a meeting in Stephen's Green, have a walking meeting. And that's great. And I love that. And I get so much out of it. So when there's the opportunity to do that, yes. Do I want to be stuck in four walls all the time? No, but we have to look at situations uniquely. And like you say, Reen, not to think everybody thinks the same way as I do. Obviously, this makes more sense. Economists have found that we save about 70 minutes per day on average when we work from home. So we don't need to get ready kind of in the same way. We don't need to commute. So time is so valuable to people. If we're saving time, why would we bother? Um, so going to the office needs to be purposeful and meaningful. Um, so I'm team hybrid, but I'd be, I, I do understand that there is good reason for human contact. I wonder if those economists heard of the Southbound M50 because <laughs> more than 70 minutes in your travel. Um, I, I, was, I was recently away and I had a layover on the way back home and I was away with a friend and on the first leg of the journey, he, he was saying to me, uh, uh, I said, Jamal, you're back in work tomorrow. And he said, yeah, back in work tomorrow. I'm probably going to work from home because I'm just going to be tired. And when we got to our layover, it was five hours in Charles de Gaulle. He turned to me after a coffee and said, yeah, no, I think I'm going to go in tomorrow. I just much prefer the atmosphere and being around people and getting more done. But in, in that sentence, it wasn't, I'm going to work from home. I'm going to go to the office. He had the option, mm. which is cool. Um, there's some stats I want to there's some stats I want to pull from. I'm sure many of our listeners have heard of Slack, the the messaging app, which is like business WhatsApp. They have a research division called Future Forum. They interviewed over eleven thousand people across the US and and Europe, um, and found that forty two percent of executives C suite uh, are working from the office three to four days a week, compared to thirty percent of non executives. Uh, and then 40% of executives working remotely said they prefer to work from the office every day, whereas just 17% of employees or non-executives working remotely said they prefer. So there's there's clearly a disconnect there or uh, uh, the stats are way higher in terms of executives wanting to spend more time and spending more time in the office than non-executives. I don't know, and probably a conversation for another day, whether spending time at home 
or spending time in the office increases or decreases your chance of being noticed for a promotion. That's definitely a different podcast. But the question I have you here is, it certainly sounds like there's a disconnect between executive and employee. And I can imagine it's providing the managers uh, uh, a right difficult time in terms of understanding how best to play it. I think what it's actually exposed is that there is some challenges within our leadership teams and our management teams, as opposed to them not not knowing what they need to do. Yes, it's a communication problem. There's a divide between senior and more junior roles. That's exposing a leadership issue. That's exposing what we have is a leadership crisis, I would say. So it's yes there's differences there's always going to be differences and if we don't have those difficult conversations we're going to create this huge divide between those two groups and there shouldn't be that divide um because if there is we don't feel safe um and when i say safe i mean part of a community like a culture where we fit in and like we belong to a team uh, if we feel like oh, the executives want to be in, maybe they're happier in their roles. Maybe those more junior employees aren't coming in because they don't actually like their boss mm-hmm. uh, or they don't, they feel there is a lack of competence there. Um, and th- those are real threats to the organization. Slightly so, off tangent here. Um, you know, EMEA, uh, Europe, or sorry, Dublin is home to a lot of the EMEA HQ for the tech companies. And every now and again, you'll get wind that the LinkedIn CEO or the Dropbox CEO is flying into Dublin for two or three days of meetings and to kind of understand what it's like in the EMEA HQ. And uh, time and time again, whether I've witnessed it myself or I've seen friends in those offices, they say the the alarm bells go off, you know, a couple of weeks before, and then particularly the two not one week before and when this CEO is coming over kind of get your desk tidy don't do anything stupid kind of like a, a different version of what reality is when the CEO is over um, so is in your opinion how can the kind of leadership team get a real view of what the employees at a lower level want and yeah how they want to operate because everyone kind of puts on you know when you go for a Sunday dinner with your grandparents you're like you put on your best clothes and your grandparents don't see you in the tracksuit so how can your grandparents be able to see you in the tracksuit yeah so I think from a leadership perspective it's about having awareness of ourselves as leaders first um and then gaining awareness of our people and then gaining awareness of our organization whereas I think leaders are maybe to use your uh, metaphor they're going here's the grandparents this is what we need to do these are the boxes that we need to tick this is xyz we need this is our agenda this is what we're going to do um and that's not always the case sometimes in reality we need to show up in our tracksuit we need to show up and say you know what there's an agenda today but hey a war just broke out yesterday we're going to have a chat we're going to really connect here and say, are you okay? Um, there's a lot of stuff happening in the world. Let, let's check in. Let's actually say, let's push that out an hour. 
Um, and is everybody okay? Because there's some big stuff happening in the world and it's more important than our objectives that were set six months ago. Um, and if a leader doesn't feel comfortable to do that, then that need, leader needs some more support from the organization. So that would be where I think it starts is actually with, are we communicating with our leaders properly? Are we supporting our leaders so that our, our, our leaders can then thereby support the, the next people down? Um, are so, we brave enough to be vulnerable in this situation and say, hang on a second, I'm a manager. Uh, I started during COVID and um, now I'm going back into two days a week and there are things that I, I need a little bit extra training in. I'm not sure that I'm confident or comfortable in this. And that takes a huge amount of vulnerability, especially if we're on a six figure salary, um, you know, to go, hey, I think I might need a bit of help here. I don't know what's happening. Um, but you know what? That vulnerability is courageous and that makes a good leader to say, and to say it maybe to your team as well, say, hey, look, I don't know how to deal with this. Can, can we collaboratively discuss how we move forward? And then can we collaboratively talk about how we're going to return to the office and what our anchor day is going to be and what works for people and how much flexibility do we need? And what do you need, Rena, as an employee? You know, talk to people like they're human beings. Um, Sounds what... like you're saying... And you just finished with it there, actually. Uh, the leader is a human, but also there's a bunch of human beings working at the office and kind of start there. Yeah, yeah. and I think, we, you know, we need to go out and survey our teams. And when I say go out and survey, Dave, don't send them an email. Pick up yeah. the phone, meet them for a coffee. How many people are on your team? Okay, there's 50 people on your team. What way are you going to break this down? Let's go one by one and have a conversation with these 50 people because they all matter. How would you feel if one of them left? How would you feel if 10 of them left? How would you feel if 49 of them left? Um, so collaborative communication. You, you, you couldn't have said it better there. There was a CEO um, couple, a couple of years ago who was trying to get uh, a bunch and there was maybe 50 people to come to this event that were uh, the franchisees. And he was sending emails and then he, they, like, you know, 10, 15% of them responded. And then he go, what can I do to get more than respond? I'll send a video in the email to kind of make it more personalized. And in my head, I was like, you could just pick up the phone and call them and have a conversation with them. And you'll find out in a couple of seconds, whether yeah. they're planning to come or they're going to miss this and want to make the next one. And, and, you know, sending an email with a survey, you're, you're not going to get anywhere near uh, the same as kind of picking up the phone or, you know, planning a half day of like 10 minute meetings here, 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 and here. So that you can actually talk to the person on a human to human level. Yeah. So next part of this podcast, I want to touch on some of the pros and cons. So I came up with a list of, in my mind, some of the pros and cons of, and, and I'd love for you to, to kind of chime in here. So in terms of the pros um, of remote work, you've got a larger talent pool to pick from and uh, retention was a word I wrote down in terms of like keeping employees because someone uh, a guy pinged me the other day and said he was looking for a role but specifically remote because his girlfriend was sick and he'd moved to I don't think his girlfriend was sick but he'd moved to Italy and he wanted a remote role so uh, retention certainly com comes in there as well if you uh, give the option for employees to be able to work remotely and it doesn't mean like work remotely you moved from Ireland to Italy. It just means that you can work from home. Uh, another one was you can have more meetings in the day. I certainly found it myself and, and I've seen it. Uh, my father, you know, my dad, he's a sales trainer. 
And uh, prior to the pandemic, uh, he could have trained Salesforce, where he'd go in, train them for half a day, and might be on a flight that evening to another country to train the next day. Whereas now he might do 90-minute sessions, but he can do four of them a day. So he's training four different groups or maybe four different companies. You can save time and money, take that flight out of uh, into consideration. You can save money there or time. Southbound M50 is a big one. You can save a day if you don't touch that. And then schedule flexibility as well. Um, you, you can meet more people. So I don't know if I've added or, or included everything or you want to chime in here with extra things or want to talk on some of the things I mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. So they're the pluses. Um, there was a little red flag going up for me um, in the middle one where you said, you know, we can fit in more meetings into our day. Um, yeah. So this is something to be really, really aware of. We have a burnout epidemic among our leaders and our senior level executives. We are burning out so fast. We're living in a state like of nervous system distress that, you know, anything could knock over people. Um, because we're racing through our days in this virtual way. So I hear what you're saying about your dad because the, the, the toll it takes getting the early flights and, and moving countries and going and showing up in that way is huge. But say if you were based in Dublin and you had your meetings and you had four meetings in a day, um, great, you had a good day, you go home from work, you switch off. If you have that same day and you're virtual, you might stick in eight or nine meetings. and you still have to show up 100% to each of those meetings and you're expending so much more energy that you will burn out faster. Um, it's, it's impossible not to. And that's what we've been doing for two years. And we've been, like you, you said, we talked about it another day, but that thing of we've more chance of getting a promotion if we show up in person. Well, maybe we'll sidestep that by trying to have nine meetings in a day and showing up for all of those so that we'll get the promotion. But there's no point in getting promoted and then, you know, having adrenal fatigue yeah. later. So, uh, yes, there are wins, but they come with a caution and they come with a, an element of we need to support people with training around this because how do we know where we should put our boundary? No, you, you're, you're dead right. And you actually won me over there when you had said you know, four meetings compared to nine, but you're not bringing the, the the energy or you might have brain frog or something when it comes to those extra meetings. And, and, and that doesn't benefit anybody, you or the company or the person that is on the other end of the other end of the line. You kind of want to conserve your energy and, and, and peak at, at the right time. I was going to give an analogy, but my previous two haven't been the best. So I'll move <laughs> on to, uh, I'll move on to the cons. Some of the cons I wrote down of remote work and one of the big ones for me was um, con uh, at conferences. So let me give an example of this and then I might explain it better than just saying it. At conferences, uh, when the pandemic hit, a lot of them went to remote and I attended a few of them and I just never felt the same as when I was at them. And, and for a couple of days, I was like, what is missing other than the happy hour? Like I can get over the happy hour. There's a Tesco across the road from me. I can buy a beer there. And it was the hallway conversations those conversations that are impromptu, you didn't expect out of nowhere that lead to something or even just catching up with someone. Um, I certainly can't beat them. So to me, hallway conversations in the office, those unexpected conversations uh, are, uh, are not going to happen if there's remote work. And 
there's a conference I spoke to you about before we were on the call that I'm going to later on online. I'm going to miss the first 15 minutes of that because it put in networking. And I'm not going to jump on that because a lot of the A players are not going to jump on the network because they've got better things to do. So you're left with a lot of C and D players and then you're kind of just chatting about random stuff. And I'm like, okay, I could I could spend that 15 minutes better and, and lay on. So like, I don't think it can be replicated virtually as much as people try. Another one would be uh, being with the customers. And that kind of probably is like that hallway conversation. Like um, I had a friend recently about that food market and he just always preferred meeting in person rather than FaceTime or whatever. And he, 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 he put his foot down at the very beginning of the relationship and said, I'll only ever talk in person. I'll never talk FaceTime. Now, you know, make what you want to that, but he just preferred being there. And then the last one is collaborations. And, I, and look, I'm sure you can collaborate offline because there's a lot of fantastic, like Fiverr's built from offline collaborations, essentially. But I'll stop there for a moment and see if you have anything to chime with, anything to add or any points to add on to what I've said. Yeah, I think what, what, what we've come to realize is those water cooler, cooler moments or those chats in the hallway are where that, that human connection and that, that little question or that just, that, that just little connect that we need as human beings happens and we're not having it. There are also, as someone who does quite a lot of present presentations, I'd be almost like your friend um, in that I wanted to say, no, I just don't want to do it virtually. Um, Unfortunately, I have business to maintain. So we had no choice. Um, I had to go virtual. So but you don't get the same energy. I can't read a room when I can't even see the room. And yeah. I can't tailor my content. I can't see the skeptic in the corner that's rolling his eyes and going, this stuff is absolute yeah. I can't see him. And in the room, I go straight over to him and I'd engage and I'd have the conversation. And that's where the magic happens because he might not be the only one that was thinking, what she's talking about? But those, that's why I do what I do because of that human experience be, to create behavior change. If everybody's singing off the same hymn sheet and we're all agreeing with each other, there's no point doing the thing. We were already convinced. So if I want to show up and create change in an organization, to me, that's so impactful when we show up in person. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd be a big one for those cons. <laughs> um, Go on, you were going to say something? There is ways now to give a bit of a positive on it. Like we have discovered some great ways. I heard Adam Grant speak about um, when he's lecturing, he has in the chat an immediate comeback of like hashtag fire, hashtag thinking, different hashtags from his students when he's lecturing that, that they come into the chat and they live respond with, oh, that was an insight. Or So he's getting feedback on his material that he's getting in real time that wouldn't be possible in the room. Um, so we can utilize the virtual space well. And after two years of doing it, there are some great tools and techniques available. I'm not an expert in virtual facilitation, um, but there, but we, we need, if that's the route we're going down, we need to engage with those experts and get that training so that people aren't doing an Excel spreadsheet while they're in a meeting. And it's mm. just a waste of everybody's time. I've experienced that before. Um, you mentioned virtual meetings or training I, I sometimes bang my head off the wall as to why some why people have not you know continue to uh, try progress in that area there's a lot of people even in the business I'm in 
uh, sales training. There's a lot of sales trainers that like use their MacBook camera to do training from, and it, it drives me nuts. And but some of the benefits from a virtual world, I saw it recently where um, I was watching one of my father's training sessions, and he did a role play with someone else on the training session, and that was recorded, and you can share it with the team, and the manager can look back and see it. Um, you can share the recordings with people so they can look back and see it. There's, uh, there, there's, there, there's a variety of different benefits from that. Cause if you talk about in-person training, he's not bringing a, you know, a, a cinema worthy setup to record every single in-person session, but the virtual session, uh, and you can put those clips up as content and all these other things as well. But, um, be, before we kind of wrap up, there's a couple more things I want to touch on, but like your predictions on the future, because there was a study done by Harvard Business Review, but it just focused on America. And, and I know not always that you can directly translate from America to Europe, but the startup about three that said, if my employer announced that all employees must return fully to the work site on August the 1st, 2021, so quite some time ago, and in America, 57% of people said they'd return and comply. 36% they'd return but they'd look for a job that offered remote work. And then 6% said they'd quit on the spot, even if they didn't have a different job. I don't know. That's like 6% might reduce to 1% when they actually were pushed, came to shove. <laughs> but what are your thoughts on what the future looks like? Yeah, I'd love to see those stats redone now, a year later. I think yeah. have become much more empowered around what they want. Um, I've learned a lot from people younger than me. I'm 36 and I'm so inspired by 24 year olds in the room. Um, when I'm doing training or when I'm doing coaching with people who are younger, I'm learning so much because the boundaries are so much clearer in people who are just entering into the workforce now. So they're not going to do what they don't want to do. Whereas I would have been part of one of those statistics saying, yeah, I'll, I'll go back, I'll comply maybe two years ago. And I'll go, do you know what? No, there's a lot that we have to learn. We have to, to stand our ground here. Um, the world has changed and it's up to organizations to adapt and find out what's needed and what's necessary in order to maintain good people and treat them with respect. So yeah, in terms of those stats, I'd say they're a lot more skewed towards hybrid now. Mm. What are your thoughts on people taking a pay cut to work remotely? I don't think they'll need to. I just saw it mentioned that some people were saying they were moving to like back to the West coast of Ireland and that their employers were kind of saying, you know, okay, cool. You're going to take a five grand pay cut because the, the cost of living in Dublin and the travel and all that. I don't know that they can do that. Um, I, yeah, I'd like to see that one play out, to be honest, as much as I'm, I'm, I'm fairly pro in the office. Um, people's productivity is higher. Uh, so giving somebody a pay cut when they've actually proved now that people are more productive working from home, on what grounds are they going to, you know, cost of living does not affect job performance. I mean, of course, if we're stressed and we can't pay our rent, that, that's hard. Uh, we can still show up and do an amazing job and what the cost of living shouldn't directly impact that. So uh, I think that there's a lot of companies going remote first and there is a talent shortage. So I think there needs to be a middle ground there where we can actually create a unified solution that works for both sides. 
do you think some of those companies that are offering remote first are doing it not thinking about employee but thinking about using it as a talent attraction mechanism and they're saving a lot of money on rent. I mean, like you said, mm. Dublin's an expensive place to live. Sure. You don't need a huge commercial office anymore. Amazing. Let's sell it. Let's 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 give up our lease. Let's move. Um, so there could be multiple ways. Just because a company invested in a huge state-of-the-art office building doesn't mean they need to keep going down that road. I think we all need to kind of stand up and say, okay, something has changed here. Let's 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 revisit this, let's adjust. And I think what needs to happen is a lean approach where we're testing, changing, getting feedback, moving forward in that way. Bingo. There's, a, there's one more stat I want to read out from Harvard Business Review before we close. And it was a stat that was done in the latter half of 2021 when it said how often would you like uh to ha- work from home and uh, or come to the office oh, how often would you like to have paid work days at home and 33 percent of people said they'd like to be paid to work from home five days a week uh seven percent four days a week 13 percent three days a week 13 percent two days a week eight percent one day a week and 24.5 percent said rarely or never um, which I'm assuming majority of those 24.5 are probably the leadership team or executives because they typically like to come into the office. With that stat, I'm going to put up another poll on LinkedIn that I'll link in the comment section of where you're watching and listening to this that will kind of, I'm interested to see, one, again, that's very Americanized, one, how that speaks to the UK, Ireland audience, and two, what the stats look like in summer. What day is today? June 10th or June 9th? June 10th of 2022. This will be out on Monday, which I believe is June 13th of 2022. So I'd love to see how the stats sit in the current day. So I'm going to put that as a poll on my LinkedIn. Uh, I'll tag Georgie as well so you can find her, but I'll also leave all Georgie's socials and everything below. Anything else to add? Um, yeah, I think we need to just just look, from, look at this kind of from two sides, two perspectives. Yep. Look at it from the employee well-being perspective. If you're an employee and you're listening to this and you're, you know, you're obviously having reactions based on what your own motivations and agenda is, are you in a situation where you can communicate to your leader what you want? Is there a space for you to have an open conversation? Can you address that and and test it and try to have that conversation around what you want, whether it's to be in the office or at home or some structure? And if you're a leader or an organization that's trying to create mandate people or create a remote first or or whatever it is are you communicating what way are you communicating like you said pick up the phone have direct one-to-one conversations look for feedback test and do it in a really lean way so those are the two perspectives and I really seek people to try to have a bit of fun with it we've had a really tough two years let's lighten up let's just be human and speak to each other I, I suppose that's 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 where you come in though where people listen to this podcast, whether they're HR or, or, or another senior leader or an employee, and they're looking to have a conversation with someone, that's where they can message you. So I don't know if there's a preference where you'd like to be contacted, but I'll leave all your details below. Great. Thanks, Reen. Yeah. Hey, yo, Metro, don't trust you. I'm going to show you. Beautiful morning. Get a sun in my morning, baby.